0: everybody welcome in to the newest and greatest edition of the star wars time show i know it's a different hey now matt's not here he's on vacay with his family post vaccination beach trip it must feel good it must feel good to be out there away from the office away from all the worries of the world and just chilling out with the family on the beach so i hope matt's having a good time so that means it's a solo nick cast it's just me But lucky for you people, we don't have too much to talk about. You won't have to listen to me drone on too long about either set picks or whatever could be happening in the Star Wars world. We'll try to knock this one out nice and quick for you. Hopefully less than the normal three hour cast that Matt and I do together. Uh, But you never know. You never know. I could go on a tangent. I could talk about uh, Cyberpunk, which I just finished last week. Fantastic game. You guys should play it. For sure, I played the ending five different times, and it it hit me emotionally every time. So if you're a fan of video games, if you're a fan of of the cyberpunk cyberpunk style of RPG game, I highly recommend that you go play that game. Uh, I will say that I would I would recommend it for those of you who have next generation consoles, that be PS five or Xbox Series X or if you have a a, a decent enough PC to play it, if you are still on those PS4s and Xbox Ones, you should probably wait until the next-gen patch comes through, which is probably not going to happen until January of next year. But I'm telling you people right now, Cyberpunk is worth the play. Go give yourself a nice little gift. Do yourself a favor. It's a fantastic storyline. Emotionally powerful. Um, And then other than that, you know, we could go on a Death Stranding kind of tangent here, because that's the next game I started playing on my PC was the Kojima Productions Death Stranding. And I got to say, I've only played the prologue so far. And by played, I mean, I... Played something for five minutes and then watched about thirty-five minutes of a of a uh, TV show that that Mr. Kojima threw right in the beginning of that game. If you're any any type of gamer, if you're familiar with the Kojima Productions gameplay style, you know that he basically makes movie games, meaning that you play about forty-five to fifty percent of the game and then you watch about forty-five to fifty percent of the game. Uh, so. That's just how Death Stranding works in the beginning. But I will give you guys updates on that game as I continue to play it through. I will say it looks top-notch on my PC, so big fan. Um, But before we jump into any of our Star Wars topics today, I do want to give a fantastic, huge shout-out to our sponsor for this show, Manscaped. Uh, So let's jump in to some nice, wonderful words about Manscaped. Support for the Star Wars Time Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world? Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the code SWTS. That's us SWTs at Manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. One of the first, I'm one of the, I'm one of the first people who tried the new lawnmower 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. I have to say, the craftsmanship, the detail on the 4.0 are next level. So last time I told you guys about my my first time using it. Using it to 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 trim the hedges downstairs. It was a fantastic experience. No cuts, no nicks, nothing. I try. I, I use it again this weekend. This time, I gave myself a nice little chest hair trim. I'm an Italian man. I'm an Italian American man. And if if you're familiar with that with that nationality, you know that Italian men have very thick, dark hair. Unfortunately, all of that hair has gone off of my head. I am I'm a bald man by choice. Mostly because if I let my hair grow out, I would look like uh like, you know, a a very weird looking fryer, kind of just top bald with hair on the sides. It's not my look. Can't can't pull it off. But I still do have the thick black hair on my chest, my arms, my legs. Body hair is definitely something that I struggle with on a day-to-day basis. But I used the lawnmower four this weekend to trim down the chest hair. And I gotta say, like you don't really realize how much shaving your chest hair makes you look different because you're just like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, it's it's you look the same no matter what it's your, your chest is your chest. You're not hiding anything. I got to tell you, I, I gave the chest hair a trim and, then, and I was like, whoa, I look like a different person from the waist up now. So not only does Manscaped have you covered from the waist down, they also have you covered from the waist up. The chest hair trim was great smooth very well manicured I look like a different person so I got to tell you even if you're not using it on your downstairs which I still will recommend and I plan to have my second go at that pretty soon probably this weekend uh, you can use it on the chest hair as well and and bingo bango you got yourself a whole new situation up there so good stuff manscaped Engineered, has engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. I'm telling you, I told you guys last week that, that ceramic blade does wonders. And by does wonders, I mean doesn't do harm. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It can also give you the ability to turn on a 4,000 LED spotlight, 4,000K LED spotlight. That's bright. If you've ever been in a dark room and you needed a flashlight, you could just use your manscape trimmer uh, when you need a more precise shave. So there you go. If you're shaving in the dark, if you're if you have a power outage and you need to shave your boys, there you go. You got a light on it. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. Because who knows? We don't know how far down to the skin you want to go. You may want to go all the way down. You may want to leave a little bit of hedges there to have some style. Did I mention the wireless charging? Because it's fantastic. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. That's a huge thing because you never want Your battery to die in the middle of the trim. It's a bad situation there, fellas. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's It's a weird situation if that happens. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Nothing better than some smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SWTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping worldwide at manscaped.com using SWTS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, We thank Manscaped again for sponsoring us for this show. Uh, And and any support that you guys give to Manscaped with the code SWTS is direct support for the show as well. So we would appreciate you guys going check it out at Manscaped.com. Look at all of their product selections. They have a very wide selection of things. They have body wash. They have the, obviously, the fantastic new lawnmower 4.0. They have underwear. They have deodorants. They got full-on grooming packages. You can get any of that 20% off free shipping with the code SWTS at Manscaped.com. Thank you again, Manscaped. Thank you to our loyal fans. And now it's time to jump into the Star Wars content. All right, boys and girls, let's do it. Uh, So like I said at the beginning of this episode, there's not a lot going on in the Star Wars world in terms of brand new news out there. For those of you who are chomping at the bit for new casting stuff or anything like that. But what is going on is the Bad Batch. And I got to say, this TV series is, is cutting up to be some of the best work that we could see in, in, in Star Wars Animated. And that's purely given the, the way the characters are being set up, the emotional relationships that are being built between the characters, like the Bad Batch crew and Omega, um, and just the dynamic, seeing the world change around you with now the Empire kind of tightening their vice grip around the galaxy. Um, so... Th this this episode, episode three, uh, was was the episode that really introduced us all to the the new imperial plan post the fall of the republic for their military. So uh in the first two episodes we learned very quickly that that Tarkin is not a huge fan of clones for some reason. He's like, Look, you know, clones, they're you know, they're genetically modified they're you know how can i trust them they're not human beings they're 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 built they're built from something and and this episode called the replacements starts to introduce the new plan for the imperial army moving forward and that is to bring in top flight at least initially to bring in top flight mercenaries and soldiers from outside of the empire into the Empire to start to replace the the clone units that are uh, going to be falling out of the rotation soon. Um, so the replacements focuses on that a little bit and it also focuses on more relationship building between Omega and the Bad Batch crew. Um, I will say that this episode is particularly is, is more interesting on the Imperial side this time. Uh, the storyline for the Bad Batch is kind of isolated to their ship and just a, a, a crash on a moon on Ordo. Um, so there wasn't a lot going on in, in, in terms of like what, the, what the actual Bad Batch were doing. Um, but the Imper- on the Imperial side, we did get to see the first elite squad of mercenaries brought in to, to fight under the Imperial uh, banner. And they were being led by none other than Crosshair. The episode opened up with us seeing Crosshair having another tune-up on his uh, on his inhibitor chip at Camino, and then once that was done, he had the new unit of replacements, quote-unquote, uh, given to him to go on a mission to you know under for for you know under Tarkin's orders to wipe out the uh, rebel cell that was under the control of Saw Guerrera that the Bad Batch. Clone Force 99 was not able to get rid of. So he basically wanted a direct comparison, like, OK, you, we're going to send you guys in and you're going to prove to us that you're better than clones by doing uh, by wiping out this Saw Gerrera cell where they couldn't do it. So that's kind of the he, he's trying to draw direct comparisons between clone units and regular human beings. So usually on the Star Wars Time Show, that's kind of a, a brief overview of the episode. Usually on the Star Wars time show, we'll give you an Easter egg breakdown as well as some top moments, some key moments from the episode. Uh, I'll throw you the Easter eggs. And I will say that Matt, Matt's got a keen eye for Easter eggs. He's always found numerous Easter eggs in every show, whether it be live action or animated, that we've ever done breakdowns for on Star Wars time show. And that's been a lot. That was all of resistance. That was uh, the back half of the Star Wars Rebels TV series that was season seven of Clone Wars, all of the episodes of Mandalorian. So, so Matt's got a keen eye, but in this episode, only found five. So clearly, there weren't that many. It was likely due to the fact that, like I said, the, the Bad Batch was kind of relegated to their ship in a very dark moon for most of the episode. So, uh, first one up that Matt mentioned uh, that Matt picked out was um, a a uh, that Tech was using a fusion cutter. On the ship very early on before they even landed on the moon, Um he was he was very busy kind of tooling with one of the inhibitor chips trying to figure out like he's he's trying to figure out as much as he can about these inhibitor chips Um so they can basically try to save Crosshair. I mean, that's kind that's that's one thing that we figured out in this episode was that their mission is not to like, you know go go off and, and just become mercenaries or anything like that, they're still very focused on, hey, how can we save our brother? How can we save our former comrade in arms crosshair here? And, and tech is working on that by by tooling with these inhibitor chips. Um, so when he's doing that, Matt points out that he's using a fusion cutter um, that is uh, very similar to one that we saw uh, during ESB, um, or the one that Leia was u- using during ESB um, second up the moon crash So the crash uh, on the moon uh, of Ordo Matt calls out as an Easter egg or a reference to Mr. Ordo Candorous Ordo the uh, the bounty hunter slash Mandalorian that was from the nice little Republic video game so that's a big uh, big reference back to an old canon uh you know character that everybody really loved and and obviously matt picks this out not mostly because of Kotor but probably because he's very familiar with Candorous Ordo from playing Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. So yes. There we go. Candorous Ordo, the moon of Ordo. He probably just took it over with his whole clan. Don't quote me on that. That could be false. Um let's see here. Next one up we have a picture of Tarkin, the new admiral out there. Admiral Rampart, who is the one who was implementing the chain code system in the previous episode, so going out there talking about the chain codes, getting everybody, not even really getting everybody, forcing everybody into the implementation of these chain codes. Um, So, during this conversation between Tarkin and Rampart, Tarkin mentions Project War Mantle, which was first mentioned in Rogue One by Jin as she's working through the Tower on Scarif. War Mantle is the plan to build out the Empire's forces through conscription versus the continued use of clone forces. So there we go. Tie into Rogue One, which is largely people's favorite Disney Star Wars movie, which I can't argue with that. I'm not going to argue with Rogue One. I'm not going to argue with, with people who say that Rogue One is their favorite Star Wars movie ever. Rogue One is just chef's kiss, beautiful movie. Um, so there we go. Project Warmantle mentioned in both The Bad Batch and Rogue One. Um, so Matt's got one that he says is is a is a bit of a stretch. He says he's going out on a limb, but one has to figure that the elite squad troops are technically the first ever stormtroopers, and quite frankly, arguments could be made that they were ultimately to morph into the death trooper units. Um so so basically what Matt's saying is that these four at you know, like we're introduced to four mercenaries in this episode of the of the Star Wars, or not of Star Wars time show. Sorry, that is us of the Bad Batch. Um, and these are elite mercenaries. That's what we're told when we're introduced to them. That these are elite fighting soldiers. These aren't just conscripted, random conscripted soldiers from militias or anything like that. These are the elite. And to Matt's mind, um, these could be the first of the death troopers because they are the elite. They are the best of the best. They're not just some, you know, cannon fodder that they picked up on a backwater moon when they're conscripting people to fill their ranks. These are the cream of the crop. So, so Matt is thinking that these could be the first death troopers. Also, they're rocking all black in terms of their garb. Uh, their, their uniforms are all black, matches the all black uniform that Crosshair was wearing as well which then again matches up with the Death Troopers. So there we go. Um, and to close things out for the Easter eggs this week, Nala Se mentions that Jango Fett's biological material that they're using for cloning is degrading. So Boba's dad is in there as well. And that also kind of hints to why we could see just a complete halt to the clone production outside of um Tarkin just not wanting to use clones anymore they could just be unable to procure any other genetic material for further cloning during that conversation Nalise did mention that they're working on they 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 had some sort of contingency plan for for getting more genetic material but it doesn't seem like that that could go well um I'm not going to go through all the key moments top moments I'll just kind of spout off some of the things that I thought were were really cool first off like I mentioned at the top of this was the, the relationship building between Omega and the Bad Batch. Uh, one of the first things that we that we see in this episode is Omega's just kind of sitting on the ground in the ship. And they mentioned that she doesn't have a room like Omega does not have a place to call her own on the ship, which I thought was kind of odd. I was like, you know, I mean, Crosshair had his own room, but I guess, you know, they're, they're still not to the point yet where they just want to completely move past the idea of getting Crosshair back into the gang. So Omega's just sitting there. She's like, well, um, you know, we, we, we got nothing to do here. We got nothing to do. We don't have any place to sit. So I'm just going to sit on the ground. I'm going to tool around with things. Uh, and, and you can kind of see that she still hasn't been. I don't want to say she hasn't been completely accepted into the, the quote unquote, the bad batch group yet. But she, she still feels like a bit of an outsider because of that. Uh, and I thought that that moment was very interesting. And it's juxtaposed to excuse me one moment. To the end of the show, where or the end of this episode, where Wrecker and Echo and Tech make her a room. Uh, they, she comes back from a mission uh, with, with Hunter on the moon after they crashed. And lo and behold, the three members of the Bad Batch who stayed back on the ship put together a room for her so she has her own space. And you can really feel that, like, she feels that sense of acceptance. She feels that sense of belonging, that family nature now, because she, they, they, she didn't have to ask for her own space. In fact, she was like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's a small ship. You guys don't have to worry about it. They went out of their way to, to make her a room, to make her feel accepted into this family. So that was a big moment in the episode for me. The second one was, as I was mentioning um the the group crashes on this moon of ordo and they they encounter creatures that are very similar to minox except they don't fly like they were they basically have a they they run into a lizard-like creature i don't remember exactly the name of it that that feeds on energy cells basically like they don't they don't mean any harm they don't want to hurt any any humans which we find out later in the episode they they that's just their sustenance they feed on energy cells so when the when the bad bash crew crashes one of these creatures comes up and it steals one of their fusion fusion cells so um you know omega and hunter go out there to try to retrieve the uh the fusion cell but um they run into some problems. You know, obviously, you get out there, the moon is completely dark. They can't see much of anything. The atmosphere itself is basically poisonous, toxic, either or you just can't breathe it as a human being. Um, so Omega and Hunter have to wear masks, uh, breathing masks to go out there and, and, and go after this this creature. And while they're out there, essentially what happens is they encounter the creature, they get into a bit of a scuffle, Hunter is is convinced that this thing is, you know, you basically are going to have to kill it to try to get this thing back. And, and during the ensuing uh, runabout, he get, he gets his mask knocked off, unable to breathe, almost dies, basically. Uh, but luckily, Omega was able to find the mask, put it back on his face. and And Hunter, while still knocked out, like he's still out, he's out cold, he's laying up against this rock. Omega calls back into the boys at the ship, but they can't come out and help either. They don't get her transmission, so she has to go on on her own. And I think this was a huge moment for Omega. Again, just like the moment in the first episode where they're they're escaping from Kamino, the bad batch is pinned down. C- Crosshair and the rest of the Imperial troopers are now, or the former clone troopers, now Imperial troopers, are ba- basically have them dead to rights. They're they're pinned down. Wrecker's been shot by Crosshair, but omega takes the initiative herself picks up the gun shoots right across her hits the gun they're able to escape she has another moment like that showing the strength of this character showing the the independence and the survival instincts of this character she you know save essentially saves hunter's life by putting the mask back on him and then she saw where the creature went he the creature dived down into some sort of uh tunnel system she goes down there to hunt down this fusion cell that they need to get their ship back going again by herself with no help. And also not only does she does she go on this mission by herself but she doesn't just go at it like a brute or like, you know, I'm just going to run down there. She grabs, you know, while she's down there she has Hunter's sidearm, his pistol and she's not she's she doesn't go with the mindset of like I have to kill you. I have to kill this thing to get what I want. She 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 thinks it through. And she quickly realizes once she gets down there and encounters the creature that the creature has no interest in hurting her. It's not a carnivorous being. It's a, it's a being that that is sustained off of energy, off of pure energy. And that's why this thing went after their ship, their fusion cells, because that's what that was its sustenance. So instead of just, you know, pointlessly killing this creature, she's smart enough to take her flashlight. She kind of flicks it on and off to show the creature that hey look there's energy in here she throws it to the side the creature goes over to it and starts to absorb the energy through it and is completely at that point completely uninterested in omega Um, so omega just simply picks up the fusion reactor walks back out to the tunnel and then along the way she she meets hunter and she's like don't worry i got it for you and i i brought your gun back as well And she even tells him, she's like, I didn't need to shoot it. I didn't need to do anything like that. So not only is this girl extremely uh, self-sufficient, self-reliant, independent, and has great survival instincts, she also has a conscience. She's very intelligent. She thinks through situations in a way that some other clone troopers may not. In a situation like that, most other clone troopers would probably just shoot the thing and move on. So uh, I thought that that was a very cool moment, very good character-building moment for Omega um there's another moment in uh the the other big moment that i really want to call out is is towards the uh the middle of the episode where we switch back to the imperial side of things so this is after crosshair has the new group of elite mercenaries under his command they're now at the uh the alderanian uh camp where saw guerrera is kind of running operations for the small rebel group and the the new squad shows up. The new squad under crosshair shows up, pins them down, gets gets some kills. Like they they kill a few of the numbers, but it looks like the uh, the the uh, rebels may get away. They get in their ship, they start to fly off, but unfortunately, one of the one of the imperials, the new imperials, shoots down the pilot, and they're on the ground. So they're grounded. There's people that are still alive in the cargo hold. They're like, hey, look, we surrender. Where we you, you don't, you know, you got us, clearly. We, we can't go anywhere. And the, uh, the mercenaries, like the, the one key guy on the mercenary squad, who's, who thinks he's big and bad, and he's like, I don't know why we're under the, the command of this clone here. I could do, we, you know, we're, we're better than this guy. So he's like, all right, well, let's, let's take him in. Let's take him prisoner. And this is where you see Crosshair's conditioning really kick in again. Good soldiers follow orders. That's something that we heard him say in all of the episodes so far. Good soldiers follow orders. And their orders were to wipe out this camp, not to take prisoners. So these mercenaries are like, all right, well, you know, we got them. There's no reason to kill these people. Let's just bring them in. Now we have prisoners of war. But Crosshair is like, do you know what we were ordered to do? That's not what we are ordered to do. And uh good soldiers follow orders, and the the mercenaries like, "Well, we weren't hired to be you know, they kind of go back and forth. The mercenary says he's not hired to be a death squad member. he was hired to be a soldier, and uh, that didn't sit well with crosshair, shoots him right in the chest, takes him out, and that really silences the other mercenaries, the other elite soldiers that were recruited to the new imperial army and that really sets the tone that really sets the tone of of, of how the Empire wants their soldiers to function. They don't want them to think, which is very interesting. They want them to follow orders, which is something that clones are very good at, but something that human beings are very bad at. Uh, human beings are not known to, uh, to just blindly follow orders most of the time. Most of the time you see humans that have consciences, they, they think through situations and they, they make their own decisions in certain, in certain uh, instances. And that's what was happening here with these elite soldiers. But that is not what the uh, the Imperial superstructure wants. They want good soldiers who follow orders. And that's what Crosshair made very clear with that move on Alderaan. So um, those are some of the key moments for me. Uh, the episode was very good. Like I said, you know, these are... These are getting into the you know the 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 low thirty minute lengths now we're not talking about seventy five minute episodes anymore like we were with the first one so we're 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 settling into kind of like clone war's length episodes, and you know it, we're we're getting good content here. We're getting more information into the imperial superstructure, how they're planning on moving things forward. We're getting more information even on the Camino inside on what their plans were and how they were planning to to make themselves. Uh, more important, and keep themselves around longer. I think during one of the conversations, Nala say, or Tom, we says something like, "Look, if 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 the clones aren't important anymore, then we're dead." Something to that effect. Like they know that if the decision comes down that clones aren't needed anymore, the Camino ones are essentially an extinct species because there's no way possible that the Imperials like particularly Emperor Palpatine is going to say like, okay, well we're done with the cloning facility now. So we'll just leave you guys alone. See you later. They know that they're dead. The moment that their usefulness is up because there's no way that the empire is going to let anybody else, uh, you know, hire these people out for, for another clone army or for their cloning capabilities. So uh, they're trying to stay as useful for as long as possible. So uh bad batch episode three, I thought it was really good setting up a lot of the cool things that are going to be happening in both the Imperial Army and with the with the Bad Batch themselves. So overall, I thought it was a very fun episode, very good episode, lots of content, lots of good information in it. So uh, check it out on Disney Plus now. Go give it a watch. Water break. I've been talking for 30 minutes straight, people. I got to drink water. All right, so that really kind of wraps up all of the, I would call it the big pieces of of, you know, information topics to cover for this for this episode we got two rumors and then one update on the star wars celebration coming up so we'll hit the star wars celebration one real quick because it's just a quick and easy update so as we all know star wars celebration 2020 was supposed to pop off in anaheim uh but clearly that didn't happen that was right at the height of covid there was no way that any sort of uh, in-person cons of that magnitude were going to happen. And it looks like we're not going to be getting it in 2021 either. That was kind of a foregone conclusion. I believe that we talked about it a little bit with uh, Justin, a.k.a. SW Props, on our last interview. Um, the, the official dates now for Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim are May 26th through the 29th of 2022. So if you're planning to go out to Star Wars Celebration next year those are the dates that you want to know may 26th through 29th of 2022 so that's almost that's like a year and a week from now uh so there are the i don't think the tickets are on sale yet i know that if you had previously purchased a ticket for star wars celebration 2019 or 2020 you were able to carry those over they gave you a ch- they gave you the option to to basically um Put those tickets on hold or, or transfer those, or you know, into tickets for the the next time celebration were to happen. So if you had already if you already had twenty twenty tickets, you should be able to use your twenty twenty tickets or, or talk to the uh, the celebration support team to to make sure that you can use your twenty twenty tickets for twenty twenty two. So May 20, 26 through twenty nine in at Anaheim, California, in two thousand and twenty two. So that was. The update there. All right. We got two two rumors here that we're gonna hit before we get into our fan segment. Like I said, people, there was not a lot that was happening in the Star Wars realm for news, you know. There were some more Andor set leaks. Getting kind of bored of that. Like Andor set leak now was there it looked like there was a cave scene. There's there's there, 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 there there's a cave and there were soldiers by it. So there's a cave now in Andor. All right, cool. Caves. Like it. I like caves. Caves can have some pretty cool things in them. Um But we have a couple of rumors to to talk about here. One I'm listing as a rumor, just a regular rumor. One I'm going to list as a wild rumor, and I'll get to the wild rumor second. The first rumor is that Daisy Ridley, a.k.a. Ray, is in talks for a Star Wars return. Um, This comes from Giant Freaking Robot. I will say that I don't know the validity or the the level of... uh, of trust that I would put in giant freaking robot. I've never uh, really interacted with them. I've never seen stories come from them before. Maybe they got a source that uh, we're unaware of, but who knows? Uh, But according to giant freaking robot, Daisy Ridley is in talks um, with LFL Lucasfilm limited and Disney to return to Star Wars in a future project. There's no information on what the project is. There's no information on on the scope of her interaction. Or her, her, her role in this project. It's just that she is in talks with Disney to come back as Ray for a future project. Um, and that's really the, 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 the whole kind of substance of this rumor. So what I'll do from here is I'll speculate a little bit on, one, if this rumor is true, what could happen. And two, why I think it may or, not, may, or may not be a good idea. For this one, I will say right up front, I think that it would be a fantastic idea if we could get Ray back. Because Ray's character is the only way forward for Disney and Lucasfilm post-sequel trilogy, post-tross. Unless you were to completely skip over basically 50 years of timeline... And just say, hey, we're going to skip completely over all of these characters from the sequel trilogy that we literally invested hundreds of millions of dollars to to produce and create. And that made us multiple billions of dollars. We're talking upwards of four billion dollars made off of the sequel trilogy alone. Um, then they're they're going to need Ray as a primary character to follow up. The the timeline for the sequel trilogy and. So, like I said, I think this is a good idea, and I think that for Daisy in particular, she seems to be the one who's having the most trouble career rebounding post Tross. Um, if you look at her IMDb page, um, she's had some movies come out, some shows come out since uh, the the end of <clears throat> excuse me the end of the the Star Wars sequel trilogy, but but. It's been a lot of smaller stuff. It's been a lot of unsuccessful stuff, as hard as that is to say. Um, you know, she she let, let's talk about her big things Her her big thing. Uh, she did a movie called Chaos Walking, which is not only the name of the movie, but it's also the description of the movie itself. Uh, this movie was directed by uh, Doug Lyman. If you are familiar with Doug Lyman's work, which you are probably, it's, it includes Edge of Tomorrow, includes the first Born movie. Um, so he's done a lot of good things, but, but Doug Lyman is famous for his rocky, let's just put it that way, uh, filmmaking process. This movie has essentially taken four years to make and release, uh, which is an extremely long time for a movie, um, and uh, Daisy Ridley plays one of the main characters. She plays a character uh, named Viola right next to her co-lead, Tom Holland. And, uh, and he plays a, a character named Todd. And this movie has been universally panned. Um, it released on March 5th. So it only released about two weeks ago. Um, uh, a score of 38, uh, which is not good. An IMDb score of a 5.7 out of 10. Again, not very good. Um, so you can see that this was—I don't know the, the the budget that was on this film. Uh, I don't know. It says that there was a budget of 125 million dollars. That's a that's a high budget. I mean, you know, that's that's you're approaching at 125 million dollar estimated budget. You're approaching, you know, superhero Star Wars movie level of budget for for a film like this, and it did abysmally uh, opening weekend of 3.75 million dollars. Gross U.S. cumulative worldwide gross so far only 21 million. It's safe to say that this is a b- b- bomb. Um, so not not good for Daisy. Uh, her other, I guess you could call it, big, uh, big movie that she put out since she's been in Star Wars was Murder on the Orient Express, and that was produced by her, I believe, which which was a good film. Um, but you can you can see that. Her career has not really righted itself completely from her Star Wars time yet. Now, granted, I mean, we're only two years out from the release of Tross, not even two years out from the release of Tross. Um, So she still has time to get some more good, uh, good pieces of uh, uh, a film under her belt. But right now it's it's a bit of a struggle she's got three things in production right now one's called the inventor which she's playing it's, it's a voice she's doing a voice for this this is a a a uh an animated film there's one called the Marsh King's Daughter uh which she is starring in next to Ben Mendelssohn again another Star Wars actor he played uh director orson Krennick. and um there's one called Woman in the Castle and she it is her Kristen Scott Thomas and Nina Haas and that in those uh, in that movie so uh, like I said n- not too much going on in Daisy Ridley's career. so one for her a Disney contracts always a good contract because it's a contract that has a lot of zeros in those in the checks um, so for her she gets a lot of money if she chooses to do it also for her if this if this project is a Disney plus TV series which could be um you know it's in good hands. Disney Plus has yet to let us down in terms of the quality of the content coming out from their live action series, even their animated series. So, if they choose for the follow-up for the continuation from the sequel, excuse me, sequel trilogy to be a live action TV series, then then she is really set up for success. I mean, you can see the the level of excitement that somebody like you and McGregor has who who experienced the Star Wars prequels another kind of widely you know generally panned trilogy when it first came out and and now the the general collective has come around to to being you know fans of the prequel trilogy um but but given his experience on the prequels which he admits now was very difficult not only uh, the reception, but also the filming process. Um, he is just ecstatic about working on the the Kenobi Disney Plus series. And it, it's something that he really does have a great passion for and that he's really enjoying the experience. Um, so if she can have that type of turnaround, just like Ewan had, then you're talking about not only taking an actor who had who you can argue had a negative experience from Star Wars, which she did. I mean, she's the the insane Star Wars fan base essentially drove Daisy Ridley off of social media because they're psychopaths. Um, And, you know, obviously the the final two films in the in the trilogy uh, were also, you know, had their issues with certain sections of the fandom and stuff like that. And we can all agree that the trilogy as a whole didn't play out exactly how we were hoping it would. Um, but not only would it give her a chance to to take the bad taste of the sequel trilogy out of her mouth, but it will also give her a chance to do the character of Rey uh, some justice. And I think that that all of us, regardless of your thoughts on the sequel trilogy, we all want to see all of the characters in Star Wars done done right, done correctly, and 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 really have them. Have them have the, the their time in the in the spotlight like they deserve to have. And I think that Daisy Ridley, first off, I think that Daisy Ridley is a very good actress. I don't think that, that it was her acting style, her acting chops that had anything to do with the quality of the films that were in the sequel trilogy or the quality of the story that was t- told through the sequel trilogy. Um, so I think that if she was given a chance to come back with a cohesive narrative that's run by some of the best people in television right now, uh, whether it be... You know John Dave, or whether it be uh, some of the other creators that have been working on the Star Wars TV properties like Deborah Chow, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, you know these people, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, if somebody like that can get their hands on a sequel trilogy follow-up series starring Ray, starring Daisy Ridley as Ray, that could be a banger because we're talking incredible content that could come out from there. You could either see her try to, you know, again, try to reform the Jedi Order. But more than likely, you're going to see her forge a new way, forge her own path, find her own training style system to make sure that these Padawans or these new trainees, whatever they may call them, I mean, we may completely move outside of the 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 known universe of of quote-unquote Jedi or Force user training. Like, to see her forge her own path would be an incredible story to tell post-Trost, you could wrap in Finn, um, if if John Boyega is up to do uh, more Star Wars in a live action sense through Disney Plus. I know that he said in an interview uh, that he would definitely be down for some Disney Plus juice. He's obviously a big fan of the Mandalorian. He's a big fan of the stuff that's happening for Star Wars over on Disney Plus. So if that can get him back into fold, and we can have you know Finn and Ray working together to to. Essentially, form some sort of new style of Force User Training Academy, that would be something special. And I think that is what is needed for the sequel trilogy to get kind of the sour taste out of people's mouths and to really push the timeline forward in that direction. Because it seems like now the way that Disney is looking to expand the story is backwards. You know, we're, we're going back in time when we get to the High Republic. We're going back in time when we get to the Acolyte TV series and, and everything like that. So so we're really, you know, we're not moving forward anymore. We're moving back. But I think there's an opportunity, if this rumor is true, that Daisy really is in talks for a future Star Wars project to move the 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 Star Wars timeline forward in a positive way. Um, I don't think that the sequel timeline is dead I don't think that the age of resistance and what is to follow is a completely you know barren landscape now because of how the the sequel trilogy ultimately played out in most people's minds. Um, I think that there's still good storytelling to to tell there I think there's still good character development to be had there. And I think that the characters that are already established within that timeline can carry that forward in a very very good way. so that is one possibility, a live action follow up. Obviously the next one is a is an animated follow up via Disney Plus. Um I think that if there is going to be a sequel trilogy follow up, it's not going to be in theaters. I don't think that they're going to go back to the well of like let's do another follow up trilogy again. I think that that idea is is largely been shelved at Disney now for Star Wars for a little bit. Like they're they're going to try a different style of movie release whether it be MCU style of of interconnected narratives happening but not what you would call direct follow-ups not direct sequels not direct tr- trilogies being made it will be more of that like uh interconnected but not direct follow um so i do think that anything sequel related especially using the characters from that trilogy will likely be disney plus and if they choose to do animated then Hey, you could have Daisy Ridley come back, be the voice of, of Rey in an animated series. Um, and then, you know, if they want to use Finn and, and John Boyega chooses not to come back, then we've already seen voice recastings of main characters before. Look at the entirety of the Clone Wars. That wasn't uh, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor that you heard talking through Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, that was James Arnold Taylor for Obi Wan Kenobi, and that was Matt Lanter for Anakin Skywalker. So you actually had more content for Anakin and Obi Wan that were not the casted actors on the movies uh, than you did for for uh, Ewan and Anakin or Ewan and Hayden. So, um, they could choose to do that, and then also if Daisy, if the, if you know the rumor talks that are happening now, would just fall through for Daisy coming back for a potential voice role in an animated series, they can say like, okay, well. You know, you can't say that we didn't try, but we are choosing to move forward with this project with or without you, which would mean that somebody else would would voice Ray, which would be no big deal because we've already seen it done before. So for this rumor, I'm a big fan. I hope Daisy does come back if this is true and we do get to see a continuation of the sequel era. Through Disney Plus, through TV series, long form or short form, whether it be, uh, because I think that there's a lot of good content to be had there. I think that there's a lot of good storytelling, a lot of good world building, and a lot of good co- uh, continuation of, of stories and narratives to be had in, in the sequel timeline. So, um, again, uh, source for that was Giant Freaking Robot uh, in terms of where, the, where this rumor came from. Source, you know, their source, no idea. No idea the validity or the accuracy of this either. So only time will tell if this is true. The wild rumor that I mentioned before is is pretty wild and it's pretty bullshitty. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, this rumor states that Brie Larson, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. Is, uh is in talks to play Mara Jade Skywalker in something let's just put it that way uh wild rumor indeed the reason i call this a wild rumor is that everybody knows that brie larson is now one of the big three of the new post endgame timeline for the marvel universe like it's her it's captain marvel um i mean it was black panther and then (coughs) excuse me uh, and then Doctor Strange. That was the big three. We we have to see how it pans out. We may it it may go back to Captain America now. Um, Captain America four a film version is happening. Um, we all know that you know that Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us. Rest in peace. Uh, which means that that we currently have no actor for Black Panther. Uh, there is a Black Panther 2 coming out, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We'll see what kind of follow up they do there if they choose to make Shuri, which was, um, you know, T'Challa's sister, if they if she takes up the mantle of Black Panther or if they go a different route, um, yet to be seen. So we don't really know who the third of the big three is yet, if it's going to be uh, another Black Panther actor or if it could be Anthony Mackie as Captain America coming in and, and filling that that gap. But unquestionably Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is one of the big three. In fact, there was another article that I read recently that said that not only is she a part of the big three, she's pushing to be the big one, you know, like pre in the, in the last trilogy, it was really like Captain America and Iron Man were like one a and one B. And then Thor was just kind of number two. There was no like one, two, three. But she's pushing to be the number one of this now. And if that's the case, then the likelihood of her having the time to come in and play Mara Jade Skywalker is extremely low. Um, if you're to bring back a character like Mara Jade Skywalker, it would require a, a large time commitment if you were to do it correctly. Mara Jade Skywalker is a character that that not only... Uh, you know, needs to be explored in whether in either multiple episodes of a long form TV series, so a series like The Mandalorian or like you know, Kenobi, where you're getting you know, you can get upwards of 45 minutes plus per episode, or you know, multiple, multiple episodes of a short form TV series, so you're talking, you know, see at least one season's worth of content for a short-form TV show like The Bad Batch, where you're getting 30 minutes per episode. So the likelihood of her just having the time to do it with the now accelerated rate at which they're putting out Marvel content that could include her in the Captain Marvel role, uh, her her time is probably limited. Um, The second thing here is that The use of Mara Jade Skywalker is very complicated now. Um, There was no mention of Luke Skywalker having a partner, having a wife, having a love interest anywhere in the sequel trilogy. Now, that's not to say that, you know, that it was far enough away from from their tryst that they could, you know, he could have easily just not mentioned it and not have an effect on the story. Obviously, that could happen. But you would figure that a character like Luke Skywalker and a character like Luke Skywalker's wife would be important enough to at least have a passing mention in the sequel trilogy. Um, so that's a big hurdle to, to cross right off the bat. Second one is, is that the, the character of Mary Jade Skywalker falls firmly within the actual timeline of the original trilogy and post- Original trilogy. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Mara Jade Skywalker, she was the assassin of choice. She was the 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 right you call her the right hand assassin of Emperor Palpatine during the original trilogy timeline. She was dark through and through to the core. Um, And she was sent on a mission to kill Luke Skywalker at one point. And that's how the two of them met. Now over time, and obviously, uh this is all in old canon. The the her link to the dark side kind of was broken down by Luke Skywalker, and eventually Mara Jade turned back to the light and married Luke Skywalker, and they had their son Ben Skywalker. And then Mara Jade ultimately found her end at the hands of um Han Solo and Princess Leia's, uh and you know, their son Jason Solo after he made his turn to the dark side to become Darth Cadus. Um, so the character has, is, is heavily involved in OT timeline, post OT timeline. Uh, the problem that we have now is that, um, her character would need to brought, would need to be brought into a show like the Mandalorian, which is the only place that really makes sense for her. Or if they were to do a series that focuses on Grogu's training with Luke. Because you would figure if she still is this Imperial assassin, and if she still is under the employ of the Emperor, who we now know because of is still alive during the, during the Mandalorian timeline. It would make the most sense for her to come in as an Imperial assassin or to, that is hunting down Grogu. That has been put on a mission to retrieve Grogu from wherever he is and bring him back. So that would mean two things. One, she would probably hunt down Mandalor Mando at first. Or if the Empire was able to get the footage from the Star Cruiser where everything went down with Luke coming to save Grogu, then they would be that she would be immediately on the hunt for Luke Skywalker. Um, that puts it in an interesting situation. If she's immediately hunting Luke Skywalker, you would need to have a lot of content dedicated to Marriage Jade hunting down Luke Skywalker in a show. And that would mean you're either conscripting parts of The Mandalorian to tell this in conjunction with whatever's happening with Din now and Night Owls and everything that's happening with the Darksaber timeline. Um, or you would have a completely different spinoff series that would feature... Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker as like the main characters, you know, you would, you, I mean, it would more than likely feature Luke Skywalker as the main character, um, in his journey as he goes about the galaxy trying to to recruit four sensitive humans or four sensitive beings for his academy, and then Mara Jade being his foil in ways, following him, trying to attack him and, and stuff like that, and then have it play out that way. But again, that is a large time commitment from somebody like Brie Larson who already has a large time commitment on her hand with the Marvel MCU. Um, Your other option here is, again, the the good thing about Disney Plus is you can choose to go two ways. You can choose to go animated. You can choose to go live action. If you want to go live action, you're talking about recasting the character of Luke Skywalker or doing what you did at the end of The Mandalorian for the whole series. So that means essentially, you know, deep faking Luke with a different actor's body and then having Mark come in and do the voice. And then you do whatever modulations you need to do to make it sound like young Luke or you go animated. And if you're talking about somebody who, who needs to do something on the side, and I'm not saying this as an, as a knock on ADR or or voice actors, but it's easier to do voice acting on the side of, you know, a a bigger project than it is to do full on in-person live action acting. So you could, again, you could go in and you could create a new animated series that's focused around Grogu, Luke Skywalker, and everything that I just mentioned for the live-action series and just have Brie voice the Mara Jade character. And then that way she wouldn't need to uh, break too much from her Marvel schedule to get this done. Um, The only other avenue to bring in Brie Larson as marriage skywalker would be if they somehow made it a, a cartoon series that is literally happening at the same time that the ot is happening where you have you're essentially telling the stories that are currently being told in comic books like the the current star wars 2020 slash 2021 run that's covering the timeline between esb and rotj um the the previous one which was telling the story between a, a new hope and esb So like creating a cartoon series that essentially retells those stories in the comics, which I think is highly unlikely to happen. Um, I think that this is probably just bullshit that's flying around the Internet. I don't think that there's any sort of validity or truth to this at all, mainly because I don't think Brie Larson has the time for it. And I don't think that Kevin Feige, the master of the MCU, would allow his star of the of the phase four of the mcu to essentially say like hey i'm I'm splitting my time now between another disney property in star wars and marvel so again i i think it's highly unlikely that this comes to fruition but i think it would be cool obviously everybody who's a fan of the of the uh old uh eu the they would love to see we would love to see Mary Jade Skywalker come back in some way, shape, or form. But at this point, it's very difficult to do. And it would be even more difficult to do if you chose Brie Larson as the vehicle to do it through. So, um... This rumor comes from We Got This Covered. I mean, they're well-known bullshit artists. They've missed on more things that they've hit, than they've hit on, and most of the stuff that they've hit on has been obvious. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's been obvious. Um, so I put very little stock in this rumor, take it with a grain of salt. That's why I call it a wild rumor because it is wild. Um, and yeah, I mean, that is about all that was happening in Star Wars this week. I mean, you had some rumors, you had an update on the Star Wars celebration happening in 2022. And then you also had the update on the Star Wars celebration. I mean, not the, uh, the Andor series. That is currently filming with the new cave scene that's going on. So stuff in caves and then people who dwell in caves writing wild rumors. Look at that. Um, all right. So that's going to bring us on to our fan section, fan segment for this week. Matt threw up the question of the week that was followed, that was backgrounded by the beautiful beach that he's on for his vacation. Um, and the question of the week was, "What is your favorite part of the Bad Batch episode 3? Um, and again, we're we're we know that the you know people some people may be a little tepid on the show so far. We're only three episodes in, but we appreciate all the responses that we get from our from our crew. So I'm gonna take a swig of water and then I'm gonna run into these here comments. First up. Is from our good friend Darth Hittigus aka aka Star Wars Toys 73 from the land down under. Actually, I think he's a New Zealander, so close to the land down under. He says, Okay, so my favorite part of E3 the Bad Batch. Pass me my fucking torch because things are getting dark. Holy fuck balls, Batman, crosshairs. Dude. His mind has been scrambled more than eggs for a fucking homicidal omelet. He executes one of his troopers just as easily as swatting a fly, and I could definitely see him as the progenitor of the death troopers. Just like Matt said in those easter eggs. Not unlike Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens, Crosshair orders the slaughter of the insurgents. It's not lost on me. That he also uses a fucking flame, that they also use a fucking flamethrower to fry those poor suckers. Brutal. They did. They burnt, they had, you literally saw a flame trooper come in, fire, shoot out, and then you just heard people yelling. It was insane. So, Darth Hideous here is right on. Don't get me wrong. The rest of the episode dished out loads of exposition, but the darkness of Crosshair's path really got me in the feels. Yeah, man. Crosshair is definitely—I mean, like he, you can see in in the beginning of the episodes that he's actively being fucked with. It. They're actively making sure that his inhibitor chip is still functioning at high capacity. So it's not like they're just—you know—he's just like that. They're—they're they're tweaking him. They're tuning him to be this this evil, fucked-up force. But it is, man. It's—I uh, mean, Darth Hideous kind of hit it right on the head. This this Crosshair storyline with first off the the Bad Batch you know, saying we're not letting him go. And then also the empire just sitting there tweaking his brain is, is special. It's a good one. Uh, this one here from at Gundam underscore char on Instagram, AKA red comet. He says, enjoyed the savagery of crosshair, obviously a setup for his redemption and sacrifice to save Omega. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, Like I said, it's the Bad Batch's mission to save him. That's why tech is fiddling around with these inhibitor chips. That's why all of the guys are still kind of like, hey, you know, it still hurts. Wrecker said that during the episode that it still hurts to see his things in the ship to know that he's not with them. So it's definitely on their mind. It's definitely on their mind to save him, whether it be a sacrifice or not. We'll see. Uh, So good one there from Gundam underscore char. Uh, we got one from Pop Toy Photos. He says that they're setting up that they're setting up that things with crosshair may not be as black and white as they seem. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not. I mean, it seems like the Empire's really fucking with them. You know, we we know that even prior to the Imperials getting their hands on crosshair and, and tuning up that chip in his head. He still had a little bit of it in there, like his inhibitor chip wasn't as defective as the rest of them. He felt that Order 66 pull. He was like, you know, good soldiers follow orders. Even in episode one, right at the beginning, he was hunting down uh, Caleb Doom, aka Kane and Jarrus, when they were, uh, you know, on the planet with Dippa Blaba and everything like that. So we know that he he was that that inhibitor chip was always kind of, you know, tuned up, you know, kind of still on for him where it wasn't for the others. But now we you know, it is crazy to see that they've essentially just fucking they're they're turning it to 11. Basically, they they have this jacked up to to really make him a psycho. Johnny Osage. Av Johnny underscore Osage underscore A.V.E. says how ruthless crosshair was with the insubordination of the elite troopers. I mean, yeah, like everybody's, I mean, like that was the the key moments really in this one. Like I mentioned in the breakdown that this was really more interesting on the Imperial side than it was on the Bad Batch side. And yeah, that's what it was. He, he, is, he is ruthless. He's brutal. He shoots this man. He says, oh, you don't want to follow my orders. You don't want good soldiers follow orders. And he shoots this man in the chest, kills him right in front of the other elite troopers. And that sets the tone for what could potentially be the Death Troopers. Um, Lima Four Photo says, the last bit at the end of the episode where Crosshair seemed to take a moment to think and take it all in, time will tell if it's remorse, the waning of the effects of the zapping of his chip, or his suddenly missing the clone trooper camaraderie despite all the programming and its effects. Yeah, I mean, we, we know. Now, that, now we know they need to actively go in here and juice that up. Like, this is the second time that we've seen them Go in and and essentially zap the chip in his head to make sure that it's still going at full capacity, if not higher. So likely what happens is like, yeah, they give him that bit of juice in the inhibitor chip. But then after after a bit of time, it comes back down and he's got to like, you know, he's got to get his therapy session again to make sure that he's still a good soldier who follows orders. Um, So it was interesting to see that, you know, the contemplative moment where he's just like, man, you don't really know what's going through his head, whether it's, you know, like Lima says, the effects of the ship wearing off for the time being, or if it is just genuine remorse for not only killing one of his own soldiers, but killing innocent people who were just looking for transport off. I mean, in that scene. Right before they kill all these people at that rebel camp, they, they literally tell them it's like we're not combatants. Like we were just told that we could get passage off of this this planet to somewhere else. And still they executed these people. So uh, Crosshair probably does have a lot of um, mixed emotions about what's going on there. So it's, it's he's definitely the most interesting character at this point in the show ne- right next to Omega. Um, So that's the end of the the fan responses for this week. I appreciate all of you for for taking the time to respond to our question. And just remember, when you're watching the episode of The Bad Batch, think of your favorite moment. And just remember that Star Wars Time Show will ask you your favorite moment. So make sure, give us a follow at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. That's where most of our interaction is going to go on throughout the week, whether it be uh, through our shares, our fan artist shares, whether it be through our questions of the week, whether it be through our continuing coverage of our Marvel versus Star Wars bracket, which will continue next week when Matt is back in the co-pilot seat with me. And it's also where you can uh, put your entries in to become a member of the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. So all you have to do is if you are a photographer, a toy photographer, if you are an artist of any type, if you're a pixel artist, if you're a, a Photoshop creator, if you're, if you're a, you know, a, a, a real-ass painter, as we like to call them over here, if you're a traditional artist, if you're a vector artist, if you're an anything kind of artist, make sure to tag at Star Wars Time Show on your Instagram shares, on your Instagram posts with your art in it, your Star Wars art, and use the hashtag Star Wars Time Show on your posts as well. That ensures that we see them, we see that you're reaching out to us, and then Matt will... Go through all of the hashtags, all of the mentions, all of the ats. Pick out the ones that he deems to be the highest of quality. He does about 12 shares a day. So every day he'll put out 10 to 12 pieces of art that we have been tagged in by the community. And once that's done for the week, I will go through those 70 plus shares. And I will whittle it down to the top five fan artist features for that week and this week's top five kicks off with art nother underscore designs and he's got a just a a really fantastic mashup here it's not a it's not a uh, toy pick it is a photoshop digital art creation and what we see is a mashup between essentially birds of prey which is the harley quinn movie and star wars so what we see is (laughs) <laughs> the full kind of neck up bust of Darth Vader. But in the mask, you can see that one of the eyes is popped out and you can see like a Harley Quinn eye, the mouth, like the, the rebreather part of the mouth is kind of popped out too. You see Harley Quinn's smile. And then on the head, on the helmet and stuff like that, you have the, just the, the standard, like the, the very iconic ha- Harley Quinn art on there. One says smile, a bunch of ha 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 on one side of the helmet. And he's he's on the bridge of a Death Star. If you look at the background of the uh, or of a Star Destroyer. And if you look at the background of the interior of the Star Destroyer, you see the the uh, the Batman symbol on like kind of spray painted up on the top there in the back. You can also see ha 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 written across one of the windows of the Star Destroyer as well. And it's in shambles. There's just sparks flying everywhere. So I thought that this was a super fun piece from Art and Other Designs. Um, a really great mashup of the of the you know Batman slash Harley Quinn universe and the Star Wars universe. So go give them a follow. A R T N O T H E R underscore designs on the IG. Only two hundred and sixty six followers, but this person really is a a fantastic kind of mashup creator. Um, he's also a fantastic Photoshop artist as well. So go give them a follow next up for the top five before we get there i'm gonna take a sip of water hydration people is very important especially when you're talking non-stop for over an hour uh, next up in our top five is at cad k-a-d dot bane b-a-n-e like our good buddy cad bane from the Clone Wars TV series, except it's with a K. And what we have is, is a focus is a is a is a uh, what you call a, a, a character that we don't see a lot in the toy photography community. At least I don't see a lot. And, you know, we don't often share too much on our on our feed. And that is a fantastic portrayal toy picture of none other than Assage Ventress former apprentice to Count Dooku, knight sister extraordinaire, and now, I mean, post-Clone Wars mercenary. Um, so the shot that we see is is an action shot of Asajj here. She's got her two curved blade lightsabers ignited and shunted off to her left side. She looks like she's sliding in from left to right in the photo. You see a nice bokeh kind of dust... Uh, Dust kind of throw off to the right side of the image. The red hue of the lightsaber is is dominating the left side of the portrait. And it really is just a fantastic pose that was done by at cad.bane here for this Asajj Ventress shot. It looks like she's literate, like she's done many times in the Clone Wars, running and kind of sliding into combat with her lightsabers at the ready. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really well done. Not a lot. uh, Just a very clean setup. Uh, and, and a great representation of Saj Ventress here in the shot at cad on Instagram. Well done. Next up. We have a fantastic. Lego shot by at brick at brick panda 82 on Instagram. I know that they've made the top five before. And what we see is Inferno Squadron in Lego form. And that's something that you don't see a lot of is, is Inferno Squadron. From the from the Battlefront 2 campaign, you see Aiden Verzio front and center standing on top of an Imperial tank with the Imperial logo flag in the background burning to a crisp. You can see TIE fighters in the background in the midst of a heated battle, flames and explosions aplenty in the background. In the foreground, you see two of her Inferno squad members right up front in front of the tank, standing there, guns drawn, looking directly at the camera. And, and I love the face on Aiden Verzio's um, uh, Lego figure here. I don't know if this is a custom or if this is like an actual Lego that is out there. Uh, but it, was, it, it really does capture the old Aiden Verzio pre- uh, her her turn to, I guess you would say, the Rebellion light side after realizing that they're essentially just telling her to murder everybody. That's what the, you know, Operation Cinder was to burn the remains of the Empire to the ground for it to essentially be uh, risen up through the ashes in the First Order. So uh, I just thought it was an awesome shot here of Iden Verzio uh, really captures the essence of her during her time in Inferno Squadron. So good job at Brick Panda 82 Next up is just a fantastic creation here by Rezarin Arts. Uh, Reserin Arts is a Photoshop digital artist. Is a uh, primarily, you know, uses uh, Photoshop as his method to create his, his, uh, his pieces. And what we see here is an absolutely fantastic rendering of Darth Vader sans helmet. So the the you know the kind of the decrepit-looking Sebastian Shaw at the end of ROTJ. So you see that head on the you know the the full Vader form and Vader is holding a hollow projector in his hand, and in out of the hollow projector you see uh one of the scenes from Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin and Obi Wan are essentially saying their goodbyes to each other right before uh, Obi Wan heads off to Utapau to uh, take down General Grievous. Where they have that nice conversation in the hallway before ultimately uh, they they you know Anakin changes sides and they have to have their their battle on Mustafar. Um, And and Vader is just kind of looking at this, whether it be remorse in his face or anger, it's hard to tell. Um, but he's looking at it and it is, uh, this is all made in a poster style that it, that is for the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. So you have the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of logo there at the bottom. And it really is, it's neat. It's, it's a very good piece, very good piece of art here by Resurrent Arts that really does bring in what, what you could potentially see emotionally, um, from the Obi Wan Kenobi series that that's that's you know currently in production right now. So fantastic piece of art at R E Z E R E N underscore A R T S on Instagram Reserent Arts, beautiful work. So that it was our fourth image. So we're moving into our fifth one. So ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a fast and furious Star Wars time show. Like I said, not a lot going on. In the Star Wars universe this week. And it's a solo show. I don't want to take up your time for three hours. you just listening to me droning on. So we're going to get this one knocked out. In probably around an hour and 20 minutes. So good stuff. Me. Pat on the back. And the last member of the top five is. At Kev Mastery. With another piece of Photoshop art. So we got two non-toy pics in here. Look at this. Um. So he's a digital artist. He's using Photoshop to create his stuff or uh you know other graphic design tools, online graphic design tools. And what we see is a is a rendering or a, a a digital creation of the ultimate battle between the two people that I talked about above, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi on Mustafar. It's when they're standing on the floating platform in the river of lava. Uh you can see this is the moment right before the high ground moment. Obi-Wan Kenobi is preparing for his backflip onto the uh onto the shore. Anakin's kind of uh in the pose right after he took a low strike towards Obi-Wan that whiffed and missed. Um and this is right before the ultimate moment where where Anakin is essentially skewered and turned into Darth Vader proper by Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's a I mean, the, the art style here does almost look like a, like a traditional painting. Um, but from what I can tell, you're probably, uh, Kev Mastery probably did this through, um, some graphic design tools, illustration tool, online illustration tools. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fantastic rendering of, of this ultimate moment between, Two former friends, two former brothers in arms, two former... I mean, as close as you could get to family uh, in the Jedi Order were Anakin and Obi-Wan. And to see this uh, rendered in such a beautiful way by Kev Mastery is, was pretty awesome. Uh, it's, it's one of those pieces that you would want to, uh, to hang up on your wall. Uh, so, at Kev Mastery on Instagram. Speaking of hanging things on your wall, update on my... Uh, quest to support all of our all of our uh, fan artists and followers out there. Uh, I have received my shirt from Super Scoundrel. Got in the mail earlier this week, so pick that up. We'll be wearing it on the next episode of Star Wars Time Show. So food uh for uh, all of you who listen out there and who also watch our live stream, keep an eye out for that. And it'll be on my bod as I'm doing the next show. And I've also put it in order with the illustrious Sir Dork for one of his prints. As well, his Flame Trooper print that's on his Etsy shop. So for those of you who are a big fan of Sir Dork, who want to support uh, the artist community out there, go hit up his IG, his Instagram, uh, and his Instagram About Us section. He has the uh, link to his Etsy shop in there. Go there, buy some of his merch. He's got t-shirts, he's got hoodies, he's got stickers, he's got prints for you there. Go get yourself one. And same with all the other artists out there. If you're a fan of an artist, check out their IG. Look on on their About Us section. Do they have a link tree? Does anything go to a a store, a website, somewhere where you can uh, support these creators directly? Uh, Kev Mastery here has a link to his website, his art station, where you can look at all of the art that he's done uh, not only through Instagram, but also just through this awesome website that he's built on the internets. So go check out your favorite artists. Go see if they have different things for you to check out, different channels, whether it be their other channels online or ways for you to, to, to purchase their, their art through digital shop. So do that. And that's it for the Star Wars Time show this week, everybody. Thank you to everybody who used hashtag Star Wars Time Show on your art. Thank you for everybody who tagged us at Star Wars Time Show on your art. We appreciate all the love and support that we get from this community um, with the tags, with the ads, with the comments, with the likes, with the shares. Uh, And again, I'm going to ask you guys to support us by going to Manscaped.com. Use the code SWTS to make a purchase for yourself, for a loved one, for a partner, for a significant other. Uh, any purchase that you make from Manscaped.com with the code SWTS is a direct uh, contribution. It's it's direct support for us. It tells Manscaped that you are a supporter of the Star Wars Time show and that you want to show your support for the show by showing your support for Manscaped. And that helps us directly. Yeah. Um, So we would really appreciate it for those of you out there. If you're looking for body wash, if you're looking for a new new comfortable pair of underwear, which I can vouch for, I wore on our last show. And I got to say, it is is a very comfortable piece of undergarment there. If you're looking for body wash, if you're looking for any sort of male grooming, uh, anything that you need in the male grooming space, go to manscape.com. Use the SWTS coupon code at checkout. And bingo, bango, you get yourself 20% off and free shipping worldwide. There we go. Support your boys, support yourself, support your loved ones. And one other way you can support us is by simply going to your podcast platform of choice, whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, any podcast platform that allows you to leave a review. Go do that. Leave a review up there. Tell them, hey... Star Wars Time Show. 5 stars. Love those guys, particularly the Nick fellow. He knows his shit. Put it in there. Or, you know what? You can give us a give us a 4 star. Be like, "You know what? I like the Star Wars Time Show, but they could be better." And tell us how we could be better. Let us know what you would want us to do to be better. Be like that guy on Reddit who said, "Man, I really want to like the Star Wars Time Show, but that main guy Matt, he just yells too much." <laughs> Those types of responses are also welcome. Just go leave them as a review on your podcast platform of choice. Also, make sure to follow us on our social pages. Obviously, our main hub is the IG, the Instagram, where we have solidly passed the 10,000 mark. We thank every one of you guys for the follows on the IG. That's our main hub, at Star Wars Time Show. Uh, Go find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. You can find those through our link tree on our Instagram. Go follow us on our TikTok. We have a Teespring store where you can buy custom Star Wars merch, Star Wars time merch. You got t-shirts, you got hoodies, you got pullover sweatshirts. You got women's tees and men's tees, long sleeve tees, short sleeve tees. You got a lot of stuff in there to check it out. So go leave us a review. Go use the Manscaped code SWTS for 20% off and free shipping. And you know what? You go have yourself a wonderful day. And remember, the Force will be with you always if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good one.